Do you know how many files your employees have uploaded, downloaded, emailed, airdropped, slacked, or shared via Google Drive today? A lot of that data has left your organization, and you don't even know it. Visit Code42.com to learn how Insider prevents data exfiltration. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Barbara Jones traded two decades in the music business as a senior marketing executive at top record companies for influencers during the early days of social media. She saw the opportunities for brands and agencies to collaborate with and benefit from the power of online influencers. In 2008, she founded an influencer marketing agency, Blissful Media Group and Network. She also founded the influencer conference, Blistum, which focuses on mom influencers and brand partnerships. Officially an industry veteran, Barbara has become a sought-after social media and influencer marketing specialist, speaker, and consultant. When she isn't working with influencers, Barbara is supporting Carnival for a Cause, an annual neighborhood fundraiser her teen daughter founded to benefit the nonprofit Alibis, which provides support to individuals and families with special needs. All right. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you here today. Um, So we just heard your intro. I told everybody a little bit about you. Um, But in your own words, just kind of I'd love to hear your own journey to influencer marketing. We've discussed it before over breakfast a couple times. Mm -hmm. I find it really fascinating. So Tell everybody a little bit about your career trajectory and how you made it to where you are today. Sure, sure. So um, prior to getting involved with influencer marketing, um, I was in the music business for a really long time. Um, My last job before starting my own company, I was the head of marketing for Columbia Records um, in New York City. And that was, you know, I've worked for, gosh... A&M, Columbia, Workgroup, Epic, Maverick, back to Columbia. Just a couple. (laughs) Yeah, a whole bunch of different ones and and, um, enjoyed that so much. And and what I loved about that was I loved working with creative talent and I loved taking artists who no one's ever heard of and trying to build audience for them. So a lot of what I was doing is sort of building fan teams for bands, right? And so... I started to kind of notice what was happening. This was like 2007. I sort of started to see, you know, there was, you know, blogging and Twitter and everything was sort of starting to kind of bubble up and um, YouTube. And I was like, this was something really going on here. And I was honestly kind of ready to not only kind of own my own destiny, but also uh, learn again. I was kind of been in an industry for a really long time. And let's face it, in that time, you know, the peak of the music business as far as record sales and all of that was really 2000. So the digital era was, it was sort of on a slightly like a downward trend. Now it's sort of back up because of streaming and everything. But at that time, I was sort of like, hmm, I want to try something new. And so I started in 2008 and um, I thought, oh gosh, I, I build fan teams for bands. Could I not 
build fan teams for brands, you know, and I was a young mom at the time too. And I thought, gosh, you know, moms, they always know everything, right? Mm -hmm. They know, they make recommendations, you know, you really lean on your community. And there was this really interesting community building on, on Twitter and on blogging in those early days with a lot of them were moms. And, um, we would joke is sort of like the swing second shift was at nine o'clock Eastern after um, kids go to bed on Twitter. And it was like a true community um, and everybody was getting to know each other. And and at that point, we started to kind of build a little like almost like a word of mouth marketing network. It wasn't even called influencer marketing yet. They weren't even really. There was no term for there it. There was even. no term yeah. for that. I mean, there's always been influential people and celebrities and things like that, but this was um, like sort of like the dawn of the of the era in a weird way. So I didn't really have many. I had mostly all entertainment contacts. So I was like, how how am I going to get to know these bloggers at the time, and then how am I going to get to know these brands and agencies because that wasn't really my wheelhouse. So that's when. Um, I got together with uh, another woman out of Nashville um, named Allie Worthington, and we said, let's throw a conference. Um, it actually started out because BlogHer was going to be doing one-day events in different cities. They were sort of known as the biggest women's blogging conference, mm-hmm. and they were going to do an event in Nashville. And so we were going to do a little party afterwards, and um, then they ended up canceling it. So. I said, what are we going to do? She's like, well, all my friends were speaking anyways. Why don't we just do it our, ourselves? And so that's kind of how it started. And that. it was a very organic, very natural, community-based thing. And then we kept doing it um, uh, year after year. We did it in the Toronto and in Nashville and kind of built. So that helped build sort of an influencer network that we had and also build the relationships with the brands and agencies and was the beginning of Blissful Media Group, which was um, our influencer marketing agency. So I, so Blistum, tell us a little bit about Blistum. I know a little bit about it. um, And I I think it's really incredible what you've done. Um, Tell people a little bit about it who are unfamiliar, who want to know more. Sure, sure. So the Blistum conference um, was originally started in 2008 and ran through 2013, both in the U.S. and Canada. And it really had kind of started out as a way for bloggers and influencers to learn more and network and brands to meet them um, and build relationships. And, um, and there are a lot of great events that happen all year long, especially sort of like influencer based, like the Alt Summit and the Mom 2.0 Summit and Snap Conference and We All Grow Latina Conference. There's a bunch of great, great conferences that are out there. And, you know, we, I really believe in the power of being in person and the power of connecting. And I go to a lot of conferences myself because a lot of times, in, in a weird way, I feel like I'm a casting agent. And I, I like to go to conferences to see, um, see influencers in person, see how they, sort of like how they present themselves, and you know, and build those relationships and stuff. So I really believe that going to conferences is really important. Um, whether you're a brand, whether you're uh, an agent, or you're an influencer, you know, these types of things are great because people have made met business partners there they've built you know they've networked they've built relationships it's really important so we decided to bring the blistum conference back to nashville uh, this year it's november 14th through 16 in 
Nashville at the Music City Center. And because we had a huge community kind of, I posted something, you know, on last, at the end of last year, um, maybe it was like a video from the conference and, and the community was like, can you please bring that back? I had so, I learned so much. I had so much fun. I made, I met so many great people. And so we're like, yeah, let's do it. And um, so what it is, is we have four different tracks. So we have a podcasting track because we find out there's a lot of people who might've been bloggers at one point, great storytellers. They're looking for something new, you know, as podcasts is really obviously are coming up and um, we want to be able to um, help educate people on if they're just getting started or how they monetize or how, you know, all different aspects of it. So there's a whole track on podcasting. There's a track on photography and video. So it's everything from actual, you know, like tactical things on photography and video to we have Mindy McKnight and Sean McKnight from Cute Girls Hairstyles who are amazing YouTubers and their whole family is in it and they really understand the platform really well. So so we have, you know, that being covered. And then we have um, a track for writing and speaking. So the writing track is about basically like getting published, writing books. And the speaking track is about, you know, being able to parlay your expertise into doing paid speaking. And so that's another area. And then we have just another track, which is business and entrepreneurship, which is a lot about, um, a lot of focused on the influencers on how to make money, how revenue streams and all that stuff and stuff. So there's all that sort of, um, there are all those different tracks. And we have some great keynote speakers. Um, we have Joe Saxton, we have Scott Stratton, we have Allie Worthington and Hillary Rushford. And we have brands and brands come and they want to meet all the influencers. So it's a great opportunity for brands to engage with. It's about 750 um, mostly women influencers um, across all different platforms. So it's a great opportunity for learning, networking, growing, and um, Nashville is so darn cool. So <laughs> it's it's right downtown Nashville, so it's also fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it feels that it's, it's right before the holiday season kicks off, so it's a great opportunity for people who really want to get there. You know, we talked about the long-term planning. It's about getting the right mindset, get your plan for 2020 started so that you can kind of feel like you've gotten that accomplished and then you can like roll into the holidays without stressing out. I love that. So. Yeah. Timing is everything yeah, like we were yeah. discussing and like, yeah, that's so smart. I've never been to Nashville and I'm really excited to go I know, this year. I know. I know. So we're going to have a panel on um, with managers and agents and, and uh, lawyers um, talking about doing brand deals so yeah yeah great so everyone listening should come you can meet us both in person you have the opportunity to meet so many people in person there and make such good connections yeah and you so you can go um to blistemconference.com i'm sure we'll have the url in the description and um and in those early days you know um nobody really had influencer marketing departments or teams or you know a lot of our clients were pr agencies that needed sort of a way to find them you know there was very difficult to find people with people would be like make sure to put your location in your twitter bio like you know i mean so it was like where, who are these people where are they how are they influencing i mean where we are today with search and discovery and data and information and all these things that we have now i mean did not exist back then so we were completely winging it but like everybody was winging it Sure. So I kind of felt like, strangely, sort of like the godmother of this community. Like I wanted uh, a lot of the the women were like young moms that were either looking for like side hustle or community or writing, being storytellers. 
and and I wanted them to be able to, you know, be able to create content, but also be able to build their professionalism so that they were doing good deals with these brands and agencies. And for the brands and agencies, I was trying to kind of be like helping them do the right types of things with these content creators. Mm -hmm. And it was a learning experience for everybody. But, um, you know, it, it's it's just grown. I mean, I can't even believe how many companies, how many agencies, influencer marketing agencies there are, how many influencer platforms there are. It's really just evolved to an, an amazing. And then still for brands, as you know, it's still brand new for some people. They're still dipping their toes in. So it's interesting. Yeah. So that was a very long uh, background, but that's how kind of I got to here. No, I mean, I love that. And how would you say, based on your history and like being the, the godmother at influencer marketing and, and really seeing it truly from the beginning stages, I mean, you're talking about, you know, blogs and Twitter, like yeah. absolutely in the beginning, mm -hmm. would you have predicted that it would be where it is today and how it, and in, in, in all facets of how it currently is? Yes. I mean, I really saw it growing. Um, it it will only grow if you can prove that it works, right? So it could have gone away if really it didn't show any signs of, of making money or being impactful or... Were, were people really making, you know, were really people making money in the beginning? No, a lot of it, um, there were some, you know, but a lot of it was earned media. A lot of it was, I'm going to send you stuff and write about it and... And that was fun at the beginning. Mm -hmm. That was that was kind of cool. And then it got to the point where some people were making money and other people weren't making money. And then everyone's trying to figure out how do you make money. And like at that point, no, like nobody was represented. Mm -hmm. And then you know, ad networks like you know, FM and you know, Federated and like Blogger and stuff like that. It was all like people were just trying to be able to get picked for these ad networks and. Um, you know, that was part of the way that some people were making money, but there wasn't a lot of money being made. But I have to say, the, the mom community, I really think, was the birthplace for all of this. And I would venture to say it's still where a significant portion of, of revenue is going. It's true, but, you know, it's funny, and I know you know this because you represent talent from on all different niches and platforms and things like that. I tend to feel like the mom community um, are underappreciated. Hmm. Why do you fi think that? financially? Mm. I think I think when I'm looking at you know the platforms and um, and I'm really so sad that like blogs themselves are not being valued by the brands and agencies. And I'm just like, gosh, guys, you know, not only are you, is it storytelling and the ability to have a lot of images and really like, but it's from the SEO perspective. It's really such a smart thing to have in your portfolio of all the things that you want for your brand or your campaign because it lives on in, in SEO, right? But it's sort of like shiny new penny, like, oh, that was then, this is now. I just want Instagram or I just want Instagram stories or just YouTube or certain things. And it's it's disappointing to see that. But to see how it's grown, you know, um, he said it, it wouldn't keep growing if it wasn't working in some way, mm -hmm. you know. And mm -hmm. um, I think now that we have the ability to really track conversions, call to action, engagement, all these different things, it just depends on what the brand's goals are, you yeah, know. For sure. So, you know, but I, I think 
I, I really do. You know, I think by 20, what do they say, by 2022 is going to be a $20 billion a year industry and media buys are shifting and stuff. And I still think that there's a long way to go. And I, I would really love to see a little bit of level setting and benchmarking when it comes to everything from compensation to um, deliverables to usage rights, expectations, things like that. Um, because it's still freaking Wild West. It's still Wild West. Yeah. When do you think it, what do you think will have to shift in order for it not to be that? Is it just like standardizing things or having these like minimums or? I I think it's honestly, I think it's the leaders of the industry coming together and really talking about uh, measurement and metrics and value and um, all of these things. I mean, that's why um, we're pulling together one of the founding members of the Influencer Marketing Association, which has sort of been a long, longer time coming than I had hoped, but it's, it's kicking off now um, this year. And um, I just feel like we have a lot of individual people doing what they think, but as an industry, we need to be having these conversations so that we can be like, that's a BS metric. Why are we valuing that? Why aren't we sort of figuring out some type of value for what the actual engagement rates are? How do you even measure those engagement rates the same? Like we just, we're not, we're talking different languages. So this is such an opportunity, right? And this is what WIM is all about and the podcast and everything. So use this as an opportunity. What are some opinions that you have? What would you like to see change? What are some of these benchmarks that you, you know, what metrics should be valued in your opinion? Sure, sure. I mean, I think that, um, I really think that I I don't want to turn influencer marketing into performance marketing Mm -hmm. because that's a slippery slope Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, for it to be like a direct proving that the only ROI is a direct sale. Like, I don't like that because it really is, it's about so many different things and storytelling I think is still really, really key. But I feel like there are... Um, there are certain things that, you know, we should be figuring out what does this really mean? How do we really calculate engagement rate? I think even just that alone. And how do we tell what's the quality score of that engagement? Sure. Um, because everybody's gaming the system, Everybody. right? Everybody's gaming the system, whether you like it or not. You could even send fake followers to someone you don't like. I've heard of do you know that. What I mean? yeah. Awful, awful, right? Yeah. Right. And it's like, so. You know, I think that it's part of like we got to start somewhere, right? right? What what is you know for a YouTube for a YouTube integration for um, for a, a dedicated for like what what do we base it on? And I'm not an expert in YouTube, so you know there may be other people that deal with it on a much more regular basis that have very strict you know like CPM blah blah blah. But for me, I just keep saying that like we got to be in some kind of ballpark to understand what the value is so that we can be doing I mean that we can be even quoting and I don't think it I don't think it serves especially influencers who are trying to figure out that is the number one thing they think what can I charge what is acceptable well we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording then just you were saying that like most influencers are not represented and so you know when i'm having conversations with influencers about being represented and i ask you know what have you been charging historically there's like a shift in the energy in the conversation because they want to be as knowledgeable and professional and you know as possible but they feel 
ill-equipped to be able to make those quotes accurate because they don't necessarily know what to base them on. Right, and and anytime you're dealing with the money, it's so so awkward and you feel, and, and honestly, you know, people, especially women, they're not typically negotiating well on their own behalf because it feels like you're asking too much and like you don't want to lose the opportunity and you don't want to seem ungrateful and you don't want to think, but I tell you something, I do a lot of influencer negotiations and a lot of outreach to all different kinds of things. And I kid you not, men will always counter offer. Oh, for always, sure. Right? Oh, absolutely. And, and obviously agents and things like that, they're going to always look at, look at the value. They, they're a little bit more experienced. They understand what they want. But like a lot of times I'm finding, you know, especially in the mom community, they're just like, yes, sure. Thank you. You know what I mean? And, and I think that it's part of it is understanding your value and what it's worth, but also they have to have the tools and the skills to say, this is what I'm worth because. Oh my God, 100%. Being able to back it up, justify it, provide some some explanation about why. I mean, part of what um, I would like more influencers to be taking into account and for their own, they're not treating, they're not playing offense. They're playing defense, Mm -hmm. right? They're not thinking about you know, they, they complete a campaign half the time by just providing their links and saying bye bye. Mm-hmm. Right? And I just had this conversation last week, some influencers in Columbus, and I was just saying, guys, how did it perform? How did it perform in relation to other things that are similar? Are, are you even analyzing the performance so you can create your own little case study and report to say, These are the things, once you know your audience's behavior and once you understand what they like and they don't like and you're really looking at it like a business, you know, you will be able to establish your worth based on your level of engagement and call to action and all these things. And there's definitely a shift in the brand and agency world of looking for those power middle, those micro, those nano that actually have that, you know, I think there is some, a shift that, that I feel like that's a more valuable get, you know what I mean? A more valuable audience in a way, because it's way, feels more authentic. You know, there's that law of diminishing return. The higher that your following gets, the more garbage you get in, in those numbers, because you've like glommed onto a hashtag or a this or a that, and you've gotten like people who are like kind of fair weather, but they're higher, higher mm-hmm. volume. Right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I just kind of feel like they're not they're not building their own B2B databases. They're not mining all the people that come into their inboxes. They're not even capturing those people. And I was like, I can't tell you how few people how few influencers actually reach out to me to tell me what they're up to to, you know, not everybody's as gray as bull streak that can have these, like, these newsletters that say, who's moving, who's having a baby, blah, blah, blah. But, like, those are important milestones that people need to know about or what you're doing. But influencers are not being, they're not playing offense. A hundred percent. No, I love that. I mean, I I love that you're articulating that, not that it's happening. Um, But I also feel like whether you're an influencer or whether you're on the industry side of influencer marketing, I feel like there's so many missed opportunities on every in in every way um, on everybody's side um, because exactly what you're saying it's like 
what's what's so important i can speak personally as a business owner is to just always be listening and and because of you know listening to you know how my clients are performing if you're an influencer you know how your posts are performing which is your audience and what they want what they're saying um that is how you constantly shift your business and grow your business Mm -hmm. because that means that you're going to be growing in the right direction, not arbitrarily, not, you know, based on the wind, but, you know, in order to make informed, fact-based decisions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, we talk about this very often on the podcast, fortunately, unfortunately, which is, you know, women not being able to properly value themselves. But even if they do, it's like, how do they how do they prove their value in a lot of instances and it's it's this it's data like right. you have so much data at your disposal working yeah. on in on Instagram on a blog you know you have all these metrics to use you know chase the hashtag of the campaign that you were on you could see everybody else who was on it and then to be able to say like wow mine was the top performing post it's not you know gosh the psychology of so many women to say that is you know oh I'm I'm bragging or oh I'm I'm doing something negative that's a fact if you're the top performing post that's literally a fact and like you said you know there are a lot of Successful people, let's not even label them men, but the successful people in business have no problem stating facts. It's, right. a, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. And if it if it justifies your worth, then all the better, right? Yeah. There's this incredible book. Um, do you know who Mika Brzezinski is? Um, so it's, uh, I think it's just called Know Your Value. Um, and she had this whole conference. Um, I went to Florida one time and went to her conference, the Know Your Value conference. And that's so much of what it's about. It's, it's you know, it's marketed towards women Um, they have incredible speakers the book itself is fantastic and it's just this incredible resource to be able to constantly keep in the top of your mind to know your value and how to prove your value because you got to know it first exactly but then to be able to prove it and justify it as a whole other thing yeah absolutely And, and I think what's hard about that is that that will mean that you know these different influencers will need to rely on their own community and share some information. You know what I mean? They, they need to be like, hey guys, I'm, you know, this is typically what's happening on my post. Is, is that good? Is that is that not good enough? Like what's going on? They have to be talking to themselves. People kind of have to open up and share some information. That What I do find with women um, generally is um, a very supportive communities. There's so many like private Facebook groups and things like that, mm-hmm. like women that are, um, that, you know, are, people are really sharing great information and really helping each other, um, which is, which is, I think, something that women are better at. I was going to say, I mean, you know, we talk about, it's interesting, I love that you say that, because on this podcast, we talk about, you know, some of the unfortunate sides of, you know, women in business, but absolutely, let's talk about some of the positive things, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that, you know, in WIM is such a good example. Like, it's all, it's just, it's a a support group. Um, We could all be competitive and catty with each other, but I've actually found exactly the opposite, and in a lot of these groups you're describing, I'm sure you do. Yeah, I mean, WIM is really exceptional. I mean, it really is, um, it really is, no one is afraid to just be like, I need help. 
right? I need help. And that's that's sometimes a hard thing to also admit. Sure. I need help, guys. What do we do here? What do we do there? And everyone is, you know, happy to join in or, or recommend somebody or, you know, um, so that's, you know, that's very special what you've built. And, um, but I think in general, um, you know, it's like the, the woman who, um, you know, Serena Williams was like, had to back out of the the tournament and like her competitor comes over and gives her a hug because she's upset you know like that sex her exactly like that's just like that is a woman thing only like mm-hmm. there's no you know that's not going to happen when it's you know. and i'm listen i love men i have i'm married to men i have a boy <laughs> like it's not about it's not about not wanting men but i think no. you know women have have the ability to have i think strength and community and i i would encourage you know more influencers actually to be coming together and really sharing information as well. Um, but but here's the other problem, right? So what happens is is that most of these people are doing it all themselves. They're solopreneurs, right? So they're they're the content creators, they're the bookkeepers, they're the you know. So thinking adding one more thing to their plate of like analysis or case studies is like such a daunting task. I mean, they're just trying to keep deadlines straight and drafts due and posting schedules and stuff like that. So I get it. I feel I feel that pain. Sure. Um, I think there's a, there's a great opportunity for someone to provide that service. I think Influence Kit provides the ability to for influencers to create little case studies based on their based on their programs. So mm-hmm. I think that, that I, you know, kind of heard people talking about that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think that there's there's more opportunities like that where like understanding, like if I can input this information, can it help me put a, like a little analysis together so that it makes it easier? Well, it's like, t- it's important <clears throat> as an entrepreneur to have the ability to step back and not get so focused on the day-to-day to be able to say, what do I need to prioritize in my business? Like, what is most important here? And like, yeah, on a day-to-day basis, especially when you're facing deadlines and it gets busy and, you know, one one thing is out of whack and then everything gets, you know, behind, yeah. it's important to focus, of course, on the content and it's such a regular thing and to be able to crank out that much content, like so much respect to people yeah. who have the ability to do that. But, you know, sometimes you got to make time to step back and say, this is the bigger picture, you know, most valuable piece of my business to be able to grow. We were Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, scaling a business a little bit, I think, before we started recording, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to do that for your own business or just to grow in general, you got to be able to step back and see the big picture and be able to recognize what are the more important things that are going to get me to grow and absolutely. Absolutely, analyzing your content to be able to, you know, end a partnership and to be able to say, to be able to even have the 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 knowledge to be able to know what to look for yeah. um, and yeah. create that case study. Um, you know, that's what's going to have that person want to work with you again. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, um, you know, the reason that I. I kind of preach this to influencers when I'm talking to them is because in a weird way, I want them to not be reliant on sponsored content to grow their business. If they understand their audience and what their audience behavior is, they can do more affiliate. They can do other things that can be a sustaining a way to sustain their business because, you know, 
Brand campaigns are not something you can forecast or not something you can expect. Honestly, not even for our agencies, not for your clients, not for, it is not that consistent. It doesn't mean that there's not a lot of opportunities, but you can't say like, well, I'm going to do this this quarter um, because quite frankly, you don't know if that campaign, you're gonna get that campaign, you're gonna, or you're gonna even get asked for that campaign. Like, And you know, I, so I, I keep saying like, know your audience, understand your audience, understand their behavior so that not only are you providing and creating things they actually care about, but also how do you then take advantage of that so that you can sustain your business and grow without relying on sponsored content. 100% because that's what longevity is about. I mean, you know, if you're going to actually make this into a 10, 20, 30 year, you know, business plan, um, you have to think like that um, because exactly what you're saying, like, and I, I hear this all the time when we're speaking to influencers who, you know, they ask me the hard questions are like, so how many campaigns can you guarantee me, you know, per quarter, per year? And I'm like, I'm actually the most, one of the more transparent people you'll probably ever meet. And I will tell you that there's absolutely no way that I could guarantee any number of campaigns mm-hmm. or any amount of money per year. And if someone tells you otherwise, like, I'd like to know how they're coming to that conclusion because I personally think it's impossible to predict. And so what we talk about with our influencers, and I say this all the time to influencers, exactly what you're saying, you have to diversify. You have to like have as many revenue streams as possible. And it's all about opportunities. We talk about this all the time. There's so many opportunities. I see influencers now like selling presets, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. it's such an opportunity because mm-hmm. there's so many people out there who you know, want to get into this world every single like five years. There's like a new, you know, a new crop of people, mm-hmm. a new generation, sure. you know, at some points who, you know, they're like, I want to work for myself. Like I, w- I have a story to tell and they, they really want to get into it for the right reasons, yeah. but they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's absolutely a revenue model, you know, being able to, to, you know, help your community and yeah. to be able to teach and, and educate them. And, and, you know, it's absolutely something that has value to it. Mm-hmm. 100%, mm-hmm. you know, from presets to, you know, we we're talking e- about e-courses, you know, courses, um, you know, yeah. there's so, there's so many ways affiliate, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's like really understanding how the, how these different platforms work and how you, how you drive, you know, I think Pinterest is having a real like sort of almost rebirth in a weird way. Um, and because people are realizing that, you know, it's always been the number one driver to a site or mm-hmm. to blogs, right? Mm-hmm. But then blogs are, if blogs aren't valued as much, but the whole point is that if you have advertising on your blog and you're getting that direct, that basically then you're getting dollars in your pocket because you're maximizing Pinterest, you're driving it to your site or wherever you're driving it to your call to action. And so, you know, you got to think of it, you got to think of the cause and effect, you got to think of what the value of that is and how you benefit from it. And if your goal is, you know, to make money. Right. And uh, that's very important caveat to say, you know, because some people, you know, talk about sponsored posts. I mean, some people's goals are not really to just do all this branded sponsored content. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, it's just not, it's like the antithesis of what I'm trying to put out there in the world. And right. and so, you know, it's, it's first and foremost, it's really being able to articulate and dig deep to figure out like what do you want to do with this like what is really most important Mm -hmm. to you where Mm -hmm. do you want to take this and you know with our clients we'll say you know we have like check-ins with them like a couple times a year like official you know Mm -hmm. formal check-ins and 
those goals in my experience shift and evolve and change, but it's being able to, you know, articulate it and like set a plan to be able to explore what that current goal is and knowing that, yeah, there's so much opportunity out there. It could be sponsored content. It could be like, I want to grow my blog numbers because there's so much money to be made Mm -hmm. in blogs still Mm -hmm. to this day. Mm -hmm. We were talking a little bit earlier about like, we were talking a little bit earlier about underutilized revenue streams. Um, Talking about blogs, I mean, it's especially like travel bloggers, for example. I just use that personally. Like Mm -hmm. I I have gone on a couple really exciting trips and the first place I go is, you know, I'll search like coolest places in Hawaii to visit blog, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's evergreen content that every, whoever travels to Hawaii for the next, you know, how many number of years, they're going to go to your, they're going to find your site if you optimize it, if you, you know, yep. really do it in the correct way. And that's something that you can, that could sustain you for years and years. Yeah, and different, years. Di- I mean, especially very specific niches are great. And then if they're really, at that point, they should be really maximizing their affiliate, their affiliate links for like that evergreen content and stuff. But I think, you know, you probably deal with this too. It's about, you know, really you know you said you can't reach a goal if you don't have a goal Mm -hmm. and so like what it's really about goal setting and really really understanding like where do I want to where do I want this my brand or this property or this platform level where do I want it to be in three months six months etc and really like really identifying it and then and that way you have something to actually reach toward but I think what's happened a lot of times because I like to just have conversations with influencers just talking about like where are you going with this what do you want to do with it what's your dream blah 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 and like a lot of times they're so busy doing that they're not goal setting because it's it's what you were saying before though they have so much to do there's so much to do some of the best advice I've been given so I'll give it to other people is you have to be okay outsourcing things you can't do everything yourself I do think that's another quality that women have in particular like we're you know more moms we're sisters we're you know we're aunt pet owners we're we we can do it all and we can but that doesn't mean that we should absolutely no absolutely you got to really look at the things that you can do but you really hate doing and then see if you can hire somebody else to do that for you and there's just like now with so many different you know VA services and things like that and you know, it's it's a you know it's a gig economy. People are looking for that those um, part time opportunities. Really, really overqualified people are just looking sometimes for part time hours, especially moms. It happens, you know, and um, it's worth it. It's really worth it because you think about there's only so many hours in the day. What do I have to get accomplished? How am I going to be my best self? Or how, where do I really need to be, put, be putting my energy? And then, you know, kind of factoring it into your business plan. And so I love to get a little personal. So um, how many kids do you have? I have three. You have three. Mm-hmm. And so my question to you is talking about balance and sure. talking about, you know, how do you balance everything that sure. you have professionally going on, having three kids and yeah. having so many, I'm sure, you know, obviously professional goals, but personal goals as well. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really hard. I'm really fortunate. I have an amazing husband who um, takes on a lot of the parenting responsibilities obviously he should because he's a parent but so I he he as you know as like life has shifted and I'm sort of the breadwinner of the family he's really stepped up and helped me um, pick up the some of the duties that you know would typically fall on mom and um, 
and so for that, I'm eternally grateful. And there's a lot of women in this industry that can say, especially the higher up you get, you know, you'll find a lot of like maybe role reversal situations or things like that. You know, every time I go to a conference, especially if it has a lot of moms, because guess what, guys, we're here because we have supportive partners that are picking up the slack from, you know, for us being able to be here. So that's number one. Um, number two, uh, being an entrepreneur is so hard. It's so hard. There's so many ups and downs, especially when you have, um, you know, staff and employees and people you're responsible for and they get paid before you and all these different things. And and it's easy to um, be busy, you know, constantly busy because your job is never done. And what I have realized um, in the past, really the past year, year and a half, I started because I was really stressed out and I was really not, I was not balanced at all. And a lot of things were really hard. And, um, and I was like, okay, this is, I have to, I had to set some boundaries for myself. I had to set some boundaries for how much sleep I'm going to get. I had to set some boundaries for my exercise, for my wellness, when I'm going to do it, that I'm going to do it. Um, uh, set some boundaries for Uh, my nutrition and all these things like that have really kind of come together in the past year but it's very intentional because I believe it's like 100% mindset and the thing is is that you know no matter your job is always going to be there there's always going to be you it's never done you never shut the shut your book at the end of the day your laptop at the end of the day and but oh that's good I'm done today it's never done so you know if that is the case Burning the candle at both ends is not going to help you with your family. It's not going to help you with your business. It's not going to help you with anything. And I think sleep is hugely important. How many hours of sleep do you get a night? Well, what's your goal? My goal is my goal is seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I get up really early, especially during the school year. I get up at five to go to the gym, and I try to get to sleep between ten and eleven. So that to me is like a good a good amount, but. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes it's, you know, 12, 1 in the morning and then I have to get up early. And then it's just like sets a bad, upsets a bad cycle. But I think women, especially, I'm a little older than you are, um, is that, you know, your hormones change, your cortisol level change, all these different things. And, and it's harder to, like, stay fit and all that crap. And so, you know, sleep is a huge, huge part of that. So, but for me, that's that's been my balance. And, and fitness is like a no, like... It's no option. It's not if, it's when. And I have to do it. Personally, I have to do it in the morning because if I don't do it in the morning, it's 8 a.m. happening. Mm-hmm. So, but I just said, like, this is, this is too important to me. And it, it's for my mental wellness, not, not even just your fitness or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's mental. Mm-hmm. Those endorphins are so key. Sure. So anyway, so those are the things as far as balance goes. Those those are the things that I've established, but it's taking me a long time. I was going to say, like, did you always know that for you, fitness was a hugely important thing? I've always been pretty, you know, like into fitness and, you know, kind of athletic. I still play, I still play adult women's softball. I love yeah. that. Um, but, you know, when everybody else's priorities are before yours, you feel selfish taking that time. Like you got the kids, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to. There's so much to do, right? So, it, you have to kind of be selfish about it, and you have to be like, "I'm going." Oh my gosh, and I'm so glad that you say that for so many reasons. Um, I don't know someone. 
I came to this conclusion years ago. Selfish has such a negative connotation by so many people, but it is so the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not going to be selfish, no one's going to be selfish for you. You need to be selfish. The Just the literal translation of selfish is like doing something for yourself. And how is that a negative thing? Yeah. It, well, you know, it's like, and, and I'm sure that's, you know, people have said this before, but it's like, it really is so perfectly like um, I, uh, illustrated by put your oxygen mask on first and then help others and it is so true um, you cannot be your, your best you know business partner your best um, spouse your best you know mom all these different things um, if you're not taking care of yourself and it's hard because women just shoulder so much and especially if you're a mom um, and um, you know two of my kids also have special needs and so like that just adds a whole nother layer into the mix and and you know you're never it's never gonna be perfect you know it's like I oftentimes I feel like I'm a bad mom I'm a bad entrepreneur I'm a bad like you know what I mean I'm just, honestly I'm just doing the best I can I'm They're just doing all, the best I can yeah. I'm like to I'm totally winging it you know what I mean and I kind of like I guess that's what an entrepreneur kind of does too you know I mean you can plan and all that kind of stuff but it, it's huge risk it's huge risk but you're going with your gut you're going being passionate you're being dedicated you care all those things but I don't know it's just women like you have to sleep you have to drink water you have to do some form of physical movement um self to be your best self-care is huge self it's not selfish at all no, but it's but it but it is, but it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, you know, okay, exactly. it's a good thing. It's, it's really important. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so, you know, what are your what are the? I mean, we as entrepreneurs subject ourselves to a lot of stress, mm -hmm. a lot of unknowns, a lot of risk. What are some of your favorite things about being an entrepreneur, though? Why do you do it? Well, I like. You know, I like being able to go with my gut and try things without layers of bureaucracy and, you know, approvals and things like that. Because I feel like, you know, actually my my actual parent company is called Intuition Marketing and Blissful Media Group is a division and Blissom Conference is a division and a few other things. But I think that it's just so important to attend some of these conferences to meet people and make you know, networking and build relationships in person. And there's uh, so many amazing conferences um, that are focused on women entrepreneurs, um, designers, moms. Um, there's the Alt Summit. Um, there's Mom 2.0. There's Create and Cultivate. There's the We All Grow Latina Conference. There's the SNAP Conference, Haven. So many different ones, um, in addition, of course, to Blistem. Uh, that I really highly encourage brands and influencers and agents and managers and everybody to really get out there and uh, meet each other and, and uh, network and build relationships. It's such a good resource. And even in the WIM private Facebook group, we have um, a, like a working living document in the document section of all these conferences. And so we're definitely, there's a couple of those in there that I don't know that are in there. So I'm going to add them into that, that list. Um, and of course, we'll have all of those listed also in the description the podcast too um, those are such good recommendations it really started with like women's intuition I think is super strong and I think an entrepreneur's intuition is super strong and it's about seeing those opportunities and being able to visualize where you where you can see it going so that I really love about being an entrepreneur um, and I think just um, in general 
I, I probably, you know, my problem is, is that I get a lot of ideas and I gotta like, <laughs> I gotta like be like, no, you can't do that too on top of that. And that I, you know, I feel like, uh, I just want to buy that. I just want to get a lottery ticket so that I can actually activate all the ideas that I have because I see so many things I would love to do on top of this. And sometimes I gotta be like, bring it in girl, bring it in, focus. So but so that's that's hard to focus. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of uh, I mean, if you have a lot of ideas, it's it's hard not to act on. All I know of it's them. true. It's true. It's hard not to act on all of them. But yeah. you know, it's the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that like you know, make a make a list for yourself and say like this is a this is a list of things I want to get to at some point. Yeah. Um, and being able to always refer back to that and be like, it's all everything's all about timing in life, in yeah. my opinion and in my experience. And so you know, being able to refer to that list and be like, oh. Okay. Okay, maybe I can explore yeah, this exactly. Now. I have a URL buying sickness, and so anytime <laughs> I have an idea, I'm like, I'm gonna get the URL right now. It's like it's available. I'm doing it. It's like I'm sort of embarrassed that I'm like a gold member on GoDaddy. They're like, Mrs. Jones, uh, are you are, they, are you gonna renew these uh, 125 URLs? And I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. But you know, you're like, but yeah, so just I'm going in case, to, just, in just in case. case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something I've got about a little you. bit more control lately. <laughs> You're like, I'm down to 98. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I mean, I, I... I bet there are women out there right now who also have a URL buying sickness. Oh, there are people absolutely who are listening who are chuckling because they're like, oh my God, I can totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. I've been there or I am there right now. Yeah. They're like, I was actually on Google as you were saying that, <laughs> purchasing one. Yeah. Um, we ask everybody this on the podcast, and I'm super excited to ask you this personally. What do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? Um, I think that telling myself you don't have to do it all right this second. You have to plan steps, take steps, and don't feel overwhelmed that you're that you're not doing enough and you're not doing you're not as good as you can be because you're not doing everything and that's really hard because you tend to look at other people and you know you do you can't help but compare yourself to them and everybody's journey is different so they might be better at you at this and you might be better at them at this and just prioritize and don't feel like you have to do everything all at once hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Have you been able to always do that? No, I'm, I'm constantly feeling like I should be doing better. You know, I should be doing, I should be better at that. I should be better at that. And like, so you kind of have to get, you have to kind of like really calm that negative, that negative self-talk in inside your head to be like, it's okay. I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing in general, and I'm not a worrier for sure. Ooh, that's good. Um, I envy I'm definitely, that. I'm definitely probably Zen Pollyanna to a fault because I'm always <laughs> like, it'll work out. It'll work out. I we'll do sense fine. that about you. We'll be yeah. fine. It'll be fine because I kind of always feel like there's a will, there's a way, and I will figure something out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have, you know, resources and I know, you know what I mean? There's have like, you always been like that though? Is that something that you're like, oh, thank goodness. I'm, I've always sort of been like very Zen and very like not an anxious person or have you like gotten to that point no, now? No, I've always, there? I've always been a pretty, pretty like even keel. I don't oh, know. Maybe that's, that's on a Capricorn. Oh, um, when is your birthday? January 11th. I'm the 12th. Get out. Get out. I knew I liked you. <laughs> I know I like, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. Cause I, I think we're just like. 
sort of business-minded and pragmatic. And, yeah. like, um, you're not, like, I'm not sort of, like, highs and lows for the most part. I'm pretty even. Yeah. And I always feel like I can figure it out. Yeah. Even if I don't know right now, I can figure it out and I can piece it together or I can find someone to help or I can, you know, so... You know, and that's not, I'll be honest, that's not always, you know, the case. But I like to, I don't, I don't want to waste my energy on the what ifs and the worries. It's just, it's a waste of energy. Oh, it's such a waste of energy. Some people just, you know, would, would love to be in that position where that's their, their status quo. Um, But some people, I don't know, they feel like they can't help it you know um but you know it's like anything it's just you're saying earlier like being intentional about everything Mm -hmm. so if Mm -hmm. like it's it's understanding your strengths understanding Mm -hmm. your weaknesses and just being intentional about where you want how you want to be how you want to live how you want to run your business um we're all a work in progress i really i'll tell you one other thing that i've really learned in the past like two years is i've really been hyper aware of my actual capacity of what I can and cannot do and that's been very eye-opening mm-hmm. because I'm a yes I can do it and then figure it out later kind of thing mm-hmm. and you know you get split between and I'm talking about everything across across life so it's not only just about your business but it's like I'm on a couple of boards and I have the school things and you know all these things and you if you say yes to everything and then you do you spread yourself thin and then you do everything halfway, you're going to be so unhappy and you really, you're not doing anything really, really well. And so saying no, so hard for me, but it's establishing your boundaries and really being like, no, I would love to, but I can't because I have to stay focused or I don't have, I just like, there's no more left to give. And you're not helping anybody if you overextend yourself like that. You're not. You're not helping yourself. You're certainly not even helping other people. So it's it's setting up that situation to be successful. Sometimes is yeah. to simply just say no. Yeah. 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 You know, it's it's it's, it's it. that's that's been something I've realized. I've had to say a lot of, I'm saying had to say too many. I'm sorry because or I'm sorry. And I was like, okay, if I just didn't do all those things, I wouldn't be having apologizing for not doing it as well as I would like to. Sure. Well, thank you for saying yes to being on this podcast today. Yes, no, always a yes for you. <laughs> I am so happy that you came here today. I'm sure everybody listening would love to reach out, continue the conversation. Like you're such a wealth of information. So what's the best way that people can get in touch with you? Sure. So the easiest way, so blissfulmediagroup.com is um, our website. And um, I'm Barbara at blissfulmediagroup.com. So I would love, you can know, I'm usually at Barbara Jones on Instagram and Twitter. And, um, you know, so just come find me. I'm happy to, you know, chat, talk, meet, share. the best. And we're so, I'm so grateful to have you on today. So thank thank you you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work, have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99-cent any-size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full-apart donut for a truly great morning.
Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.